Hey everybody, it's the It's So Weird podcast. This is Christy and my friend Marcy Hello, is to my left. And we are going to talk about today death and dying and the taboo discussion that never happens or it does happen in your family, friends. Not in my family. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be specific to a family member. It could also be a treasured friendship or loved one or a stranger even. I mean, I've taken care of strangers, so um, well, let's start with that. It's in the last coffee of a day. Take my own advice. There'll be other worlds to save. If only we had one more day left. The focus of our life could finally cease to rest. very little comparatively speaking to your experience um you lost both of your parents the past year um my parents are still uh, around making my life uh, somewhat difficult so um you know yeah but you've lost friends yes but were you ever involved in the uh i, I really want to talk about the legalities of the death and dying i mean we can talk about emotions and stories and stuff like that but I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about uh, the legalities of what they have right, to the, go through. The immediate aftermath. The, once the loved one is dead, the shit that happens to you that you don't have a choice about because it's illegal. Yes. So um, having watched what you've gone through in the last few months and um, another uh, good friend of mine losing her husband um, and, to cancer and having many months to prepare and things like that really had me thinking about um, my parents. And, um, you know, I'm, I know that in my 20s, uh, sort of when you romanticize death and maybe you ask your mom and dad, you know, what are you going to do? Um, my parents said, don't worry about it. We've got it covered. Um, but then in the last, you know, few months, as I said, uh, watching what you've been going through, clearing out your mom and dad's um, home of, you know, 35, 40 years um, and and going through that process of um, estate, um, you know, going through the will and, and those things. I went back to my parents and actually have been back to them three times to ask the question, mom, dad, what am I supposed to do when you're gone? Now, that being said, I am the youngest sibling. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, one would think that maybe I, I don't have any responsibility, perhaps. Um, but their answer has consistently been and a little bit hilarious to me. Um, you uh, you will 
know when you need to know. You will find out. Um, oh, God. How did she say it? Because I've been running it's it through. It's for me. It's for me to know right. and you to find we, we, out. We talked about this earlier. Um, so so, I, I so really immature of my mom. <laughs> a little bit. But that is her take. That is her take on it is for her whatever show reason. Of independence. Yes. I'm still the adult. I'm still your parent. Yes. Uh, but that will go downhill. Um, it will because growing up, it, it, she it, she told me that when she died, she wanted to be cremated and flushed down the toilet. So if she's not careful, that's exactly what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's precisely what I will do. Those are the only instructions I currently have. <laughs> right, and I want to make it clear that n- maybe some people don't even have parents, or um, you know, they lost them at a very young age, so they didn't even maybe get to engage and um, the legalities of losing a parent. But they, if they have siblings or if they have, lo- you know, loved, mm-hmm. treasured friends yes. or even a companion, yes. they'll still have to go through this shit. Well, and the companion aspect of it can be very murky um, as well. I, I recently um, had a friend that lost her companion of um, about 20 years uh, in in the span of six or eight weeks, uh, they were somewhat aware that he was very sick, but it did happen fairly fast. The incredibly unfortunate thing is uh, everything was in his name and uh, nothing, there was no will. And so nothing, she had nothing at the end of this. His son, his estranged son came and took the, the <laughs> property um she really was in a bad spot and that and and like i said watching you go through um you know selling your dad's vehicle selling the house you know selling every everything and and dividing up the property between you and your brother um or the the assets really has had me thinking of like this is really going to happen. My parents are in their seventies and I, and so <laughs> shit, this is really going really to happen. Like it's always happening. And I've always told you this, like it's yeah. always happening. So the day that it happens is the day that it happens. There's no and future I wa- of it. It's the day it happens. Uh, not to get too existential, but meaning this is inevitable, but yes. we pretend for most of our lives, for the people I talk to... That it's not going to happen. That it, it, it's going to happen in the future. Yes. And it's going to be that pleasant, I'm going to be 90 years old. Exactly. It's romanticized. Uh, it's very, very much romanticized. And that's fine to have that romantic... Well, it, uh, it is, but hope. it isn't. Like, I, I want, when it actually, when the shit actually goes down, um, I want... If I'm responsible for it, um, I want it to go down smoothly. I don't want to be a basket case. I, I don't. You want to be clear. I want to be clear and I, I want to make it easy on the other loved ones around me, like my children, my brother, his children, you know, um, mom and dad's friends, you know, or anyone, uh, you know, I, I want it to be a... Um, I don't know if fond memory is the right word, but I definitely don't want them to be like, holy shit, Mercy fucked the whole thing. How about comforting? Comforting, yes. Yeah, yeah. A, yes. A comforting memory because um, when my mom was dying of Alzheimer's and um, it was the last week, uh, dad had brought her back home 
from the nursing home. Knowing that she was going to pass, correct? Uh, he had no idea, but she wasn't doing well, and he had promised her that she would not have to die in a nursing home. So he brought her back. It's so sweet. It is very sweet, but it's also uh, uh, very painful for everybody involved because what ended up happening was is my mother collapsed on the floor. Mind you, she's in, uh, like m- most classic Americans, overweight. Yeah. And we couldn't pick her up off the floor. And we had to call hospice and have them bring a bed in. And then yeah. we had to gather friends and the neighbor's son to get her to off. roll her onto a blanket and pick her up onto the bed. And I had to lay on and the And this floor. is where I make uh, a plug, a shameless plug for my business, Healthy Balance Health Club. <laughs> get your ass out there and matter. exercise. And don't, and, and, It'd be hard to pick a 100-pound person up off the floor. Yes, but... Yeah. It's doable, but yeah. it, but still, a full-grown adult, um, it's very difficult. And I laid on the floor with her for about eight hours. Um, she wow. was in an immense amount of emotional distress. pain and yeah. distress, and it was very painful. And when the hospice yeah. person came in, um, and we were sitting down at the table discussing my mother's demise, yeah, basically, because when you call hospice in, that means it's, it, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. You're done. Everybody's done. And um, dad and I sat at the table and uh, we were talking very calmly with her. And she was like tiptoeing through, you know, we're going to have to the bring the bed nurse. in. The yes. hospice nurse. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, because they have to interview you and then you have to get approved for hospice. You yeah. just don't get the bed. See, people, you just don't get the bed that day. Uh, you have to go through an interview. They yeah. try to do it as quickly as possible. But you don't just get the bed. But again, that's where planning and... the planning would have helped a lot. But thank goodness, even though my father did not plan well, because he was grieving, basically, um, we were very matter-of-fact with the hospice care nurse. And she basically said to us, thank you for being so calm and practical well yeah i mean imagine and and we both looked at her like what are you talking about and she's like "Mm, yes well and that's this doesn't happen yes (laughs) and And i didn't know that no it doesn't happen i mean most people put death so far out of their mind i mean i deal with a lot of older people people between 65 and 85 90 years old and um it is amongst them somewhat of a taboo subject um, yeah, even, because if you talk even, about it, you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, don't curse even, me. <laughs> even though, like, they they know that they're in the last stages of their life, um, but a lot of them put it out of their mind. And then when it happens, um, you know, it, it is a few days or weeks of just complete chaos. And, and that's why I so very much would like my mother to share the plan with me instead right. of it's for me to know and you to find out. And guess what? Uh, most people, even if they share the plan with you, um, and this is where I kind of want to talk about in future podcasts, mm-hmm. um, which there are many philosophies on this, but, but being the hero meaning um being the hero in the story of um 
that taking care of a loved one does not mean that you wish them to die, that to get a hospice bed before you need a hospice bed uh, or to have that interview with that person, yeah. even though they're not on their, they they weren't like my mother yeah. on the floor, uh, but they were, you know, they were still slightly mobile. Right. Uh, that, that doesn't say that well, you want them to die. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people in, in that grieving state think that if they have, if they make that decision, then that they've given up on that person. That you you might have something there um, that that is kind of interesting. Um, I I purchased. I'm 46 now, and I purchased my cremation um, 13 years ago because <laughs> because one of my friends uh, bought a mortuary and he went around to all of his friends and said for $500 I will cremate you at some point in the future and I had $500 and so um and that really was um a relief to me and and I've shared that with my kids of like hey when I'm dead be sure and call up John Cheryl because (laughs) because he's gonna fry my ass is it in your phone it is it is in my phone um and 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 yeah and and um I did those things like I said 13 years ago now having gotten divorced meant that I had to revisit these things and and change things um but I did that with my kids who are 19 and 24 and um they seem very calm about it um they they are more interested in their own death and how their funeral is going to go down than my funeral so do you think the generations are changing like your generation possibly i think my parents no No. (laughs) okay so i'm i'm I know. No. Um, classic. I I want to think that there that the the way we address death and dying on a practical level, um, not just because I looked up online, I googled away. At yeah, the amount of you books. can really go down a rat hole. With Holy this. crap! They, but they only like five yes. percent of them deal with the legalities. Yes. Of death, meaning. The rest are like uh, how do you grieve? Buddhist texts. How do you <laughs> grieve? How do you deal with the loss of a loved one? Yep. And I think those are all valid books. Yes. But the the total lack in, in one of the books that I read um, from a lady. Let me look. Because it's a really good book. I, I purchased it on Audible so I can listen to it. Um Facing the Final Mystery, A Guide to Discussing End-of-Life Issues. Oh, that sounds like a page-turner. Laura Larson. Laura Larson. Well, thank you, Laura. 2004. So it's kind of out of date. But, but you know what? Really Death is never out of date. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't, have a, I didn't do a, a deep research. Yes. Like, if I'd done a paper on this, I'd probably check out yes. 50 books and read yes. them all and then report back. Well, I think that um, mostly it's a... a um, family thing like like I don't think that it's a generational thing I think that generations pass on their uh fear of talking about death and dealing with death and you know we really 
have removed ourselves from the whole process of death, at least here in America, in the last couple of hundred years with yeah. the rise of funeral homes and embalming and really <laughs> sort of taking um, and sanitizing what's a really a natural thing. Um, and, and that's what with my kids um, when they had an opportunity to experience death, meaning their beloved grandmother died that lived a few houses away from us. I did not shield them from that. Um, I took them down there and encouraged them to visit and they wanted to visit with her um, in her last few months of life. They were aware that, um, you know, my ex and I were taking turns sleeping at her house so that she would stay safe through the night. Um, And then when she died, um, my mother-in-law at the time immediately said to me, because um, my ex and I were her primary caregiver um, and very close to her, um, she immediately said to me, you go to that house and I want you to take the kids and take whatever you want. And that's exactly what I did. And um, my daughter took um, her tobacco stained pillow and she has slept with that pillow for (laughs) 13, 14 years now. And my son said, I don't need anything. She's gone. And so they both have a very healthy view of death, I think. And I think that that's because I let them experience it. I let them see it. And I didn't try to hide it from them. And it was a teaching lesson for you also because, boy, oh, boy, you just got shot in the heart (laughs) by your children. This is how you do it, you idiots. I know. And you know what? that's, That's why I really love about children is... Their complete honesty yes. about a situation, and about the reality, and that they have a yet to be taught that it should be all hair pulling, right, and grieving, and and wrenching and, of the hands, yes, and, yes, and, yeah. and deep loss, and yes, not that they don't experience that, and not that they don't miss it, but there's not such a it's an acceptance and then a move on and and that's very healthy um i think that is healthy i don't think you need to spend weeks it's it's oh no what i I think it is this is how i drill it down is the attachment oh absolutely that that they have their minds are more flexible Mm -hmm. to the acceptance of attachment meaning they love that person they miss that person they want to remember that person but that their attachment mm-hmm. uh, flexibility, which mm-hmm. we seem to lose as we get older, yeah. we want well, to cling. It's cling, kind of clinginess yeah. and selfishness. And not all children are like um, that. I mean, yeah. but I also think it's on how you raised your children and that that plays a part because if you leave them out of the process, uh, my parents left me out. My whole family left, left me out of a lot of processes. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure everybody has their own story. This is why this is so, um, for for anybody listening, this is, everybody has a subjective own story in everybody's life. But there are definite steps that truths. you need to take to yes, get through think, it in a timely manner. And if you're lucky enough to have a family who has addressed this issue, then this podcast is probably... Mute. It is, it is probably... You or... 
Or, yeah, you'll just probably nod your head and say, I'm bored. I'm bored. I got this. But (laughs) but for most people, I mean, it really isn't. We don't think about or plan for it until it happens. And then, you know, there are all kinds of things to consider. I mean, hospice care being one of them there at the very end, you know, having a will, um, having a written plan of do you want a funeral? You know, um, growing up in my family uh, from Kentucky, uh, funerals were many because my uh, families at the time were large, uh, you know, 13 uh, brothers and sisters my dad had. Um, And so families or funerals were large and frequent um, and they lasted three or four days. There would be three days of viewing and then the funeral. Um, and it was a time for families to get together and reflect. And we don't really do that anymore. Um, now we postpone things. Um, we postpone the funeral and call it a celebration of life. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, like we're living you know, that post P- this, this fantasy world of where we relabel right. everything. Yes. And we have to make it sound I'm not making fun of people, but making it sound magical. Yes. Or it is, it is magical, but, but I guess a spade is a spade is a spade. No matter how you look at it. So you can put, you can call it a flower, but you're still dead and it's still a process only for the living. Yes. So an odd only thing, I went to a celebration of life a couple of years ago that was a about nine months after the person had died. Oh, yeah. Um, And I kind of, you know, I marked the date on the calendar when I pulled up September and like, oh, I have to go to Butch's celebration of life. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> you know, like, it was he was not a terribly close friend. So so oh, folks no. don't think that I think this about everyone. But it literally was it had been so long since he had passed. You know, that terrifies most people because they don't want to be forgotten. Uh, they won't be forgotten by someone. I mean, they, no, I know, but, but, but I know but, but, but everybody envisions this like you'll be surrounded by a multitude, even in Buddhism, you know what? even in Buddhism, really? they're like, if you die alone, that means nobody loved you. I, and that's, I got that. I, I might have realized it wrong, but they were like, if you are kind, if you're a good person, people will flock to your funeral. They will say positive things about you. You will uh-huh. be loved by But many. you're not even there. No, you're not there. And and that's that's what I try Maybe to keep Maybe you're it. there. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to waste my time with it. But, um, but that would just feed your... Ego. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it just feeds... Um, if nobody... Because a lot of people die alone. Right. Not on their choice at all. Like, no. it's a sudden death. Well, it's I mean, an accident. It's or a, it's COVID. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. That's the real mean, tragedy and, of and, this whole... And, and that's... Well, I, I mean, I, I hope that it's caused people to really think about, you know... That uh, they don't get to say goodbye to their yeah, loved Yeah, you don't ones get to say goodbye, so hug them, there and... hug them from six feet away right. now, I guess. Yeah, I had to um, explain to a very close person I love very much, a relative, and uh, he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth for a couple of days without telling his children or me yeah. or anybody else, and... Uh, this goes back to the death and dying in the estate, and I need to get a hold of him because the house was selling. Yeah. And then we had a buyer. Yeah. And we need to make a decision. We need to make a decision. And I'm a co-executor, 
So Pat and I are, yeah. my parents decided that they uh, wanted to, and I totally agreed and manipulated the situation that we be co-executors because I think that my uh, brother and I mm -hmm. um, needed to both be involved in the process. Yes. That, that leaving one person out um, well, that's just a, it, a cause for hurt, hurt feelings. It, it's an old and, archaic idea yes. of the eldest takes right. care of the, you know, the legal that that you appoint one person in the family. Correct. Uh, and it may be based off a of reality of that's the only person who's fiscally responsible. Yeah, I, I'm a little of. fearful that that's why my mom says to me, uh, you know. It's for me to know and you to find out. I wonder if maybe really my brother already knows. <laughs> well, <laughs> and my is brother in charge. disappeared when we need when yes. I need to find him, and um, it total ignorance uh, on his part. Meaning he it, he yeah. didn't mean no, to create. Just, but I went looking for him, yeah. and I called his sons, and I created. You know, I created a kind of like a what I would call a little panic, a panic or a drama. Yeah. Just because I was worried about yes. it because he's very predictable in answering his phone and his mother wasn't answering my nephew. Yeah. Yeah. His right. Wife. Anyway, nobody was answering their phone. I got worried and you know, I talked to him and he was like, I don't know what the big deal is. Do I have to ask permission to go out now? And I was like, this is what happens when you start losing your loved ones yes. and, and you get down to a very small amount of people yes. who you have relationships with and, and you end yeah. up wanting to care about because yes. it, it's not, um, it changes things. Yeah, it, and, it is, and, you know, yeah. you, you want to be in closer contact with right. your family because that's your family. That's the only blood that you have right. left. So if the matriarch or the patriarch dies, yeah. it's up to you both if you care to look about out each other. for each other right right <laughs> and he was like oh oh news oh. to me <laughs> no, i think he yeah it was kind of news to him yeah. because he'd been so independent and yes we'd relied on my parents so much to be the mediators yeah and also the glue right you know they were the glue yeah and and they were totally great at it and i appreciate that about them but your glue goes away mm -hmm. and like many a divorced person yes uh that's sort of a death yeah uh uh if the glue goes away yeah what do you have you have to reach out on your own you have to right. and 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 so a tradition that um my parents have had um since i was an adult <laughs> yeah since, this cracks since, me up. since i moved out um yeah and everybody makes fun of me mm -hmm. because um, everybody that knows me knows that on Sunday <laughs> from 1 p.m. <laughs> to 2 p.m. I am at my mom's house having Sunday dinner. Sometimes, like this past Sunday, the weather was nice and I wanted to go fishing and I was in and out of there in 22 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but it's a requirement. You know, my brother is there. Um, what if you don't show up? Uh would you like to take a look at my phone? Because would it blow up? Um, it, it is anywhere between twelve fifty three and one o eight. If I haven't arrived at my mom's house, there's a phone call and there's a message, and the message consists of Marcy, are you coming to lunch? <laughs> And then that's all that it says. And that's different than the other messages that my mom leaves me during the week, which are very cryptic and say, Marcy, 
it's your mom. Give me a call. Never leaving me a message about what this call is in regards to. So I never know if I'm calling to find out that someone died or that she won the lottery or that she needs me to pick up some Depends for her. I never (laughs) know. But anyway, yeah, Sunday tradition. And my brother and I have talked about this. Um, No, scratch that. My brother's wonderful companion and I have talked about this. When mom and dad pass, how are we going to continue this Sunday tradition? Because we live in the same town. Right. And where are we, are we going to pick up the pieces? Yeah. Are we going to change the story? Yeah. And my thought was, well, fuck, do we need to do it every Sunday? Because sometimes mm-hmm. that's a hassle. And Amy's response was, but that's when we do it. And so I nod my head and say, yes. I will continue the Sunday tradition until I'm dead as long as I live in Bedford with you because even though I don't really like my brother Brian, I love him. He's my brother. Right. And either you will die first or he will die first. And just so you know, my adult children um, still pretty much adhere to the Sunday rule and my brother's daughter... Um, until she moved to D.C. a year ago, also adhered to the rule until she was about wow. 24, 25. So a very close family. Yes. There are, there are very yeah. few of us. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there there's were, seven. I, and, in my family, that wasn't the case. There were very few of us. Um, yeah. But uh, we normally did it through um, either phone calls or... Um, Maybe we would go out to dinner, yeah. but that was far and few between. And I was okay with that, yeah. meaning I had a really, really, you probably know this, close relationship with my parents. Yes, yes. Uh, I you think s- that could be, it, to the point of uh, not oddness. No, I think you had a beautiful relationship with your yeah, parents. and it, it wasn't extreme. Like, and I it, didn't talk to my mother every day. No, no, but, no, it, no, but it was very caring. It was very considerate. It was very supportive. Right. And, and I honestly look at that and um you know uh use that as as um some motivation for me to try to heal you know even though i am at my mom's um and dad's every sunday um we have had years and years of difficulties of you know not we're just cut from a different cloth we see things very differently (laughs) um and and so we've never had a close relationship but as I get older and um, as they get older, I start to really recognize that um, even though we don't get along, they've made some beautiful, wonderful sacrifices to me. And I would like to know and understand. However, mom says it's for me to know and you to yeah, find out. I, I just... <laughs> I'd like to smack her bottom. Well, go um, for it. You know, <laughs> You'd have to get her out I of the recliner. Care how old she is. Uh, <laughs> I'll lecture anybody. Uh, it, it, I just think it's really. Um, yeah. I mean, I, what just, am I supposed to do with her cat? What you know? It, you know? Just, there's a sense of kindness to allowing your child to participate. Yes. In in what is inevitable well and and, and comfort care comfort in shit, knowing you know? the plan you and and it's your business and your child yeah yeah well i business. mean um honestly i have a feeling all joking aside that this is more of her way of trying to protect me 
right. trying trying to keep right. me from worrying about something unnecessarily. Um, even though I'm, I've never historically been a worrier, but no, I, can, I, can, not. I'm not, I don't worry about anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, you worry about things. Yes, but uh, not but obs- definitely not obsessively. You're not going to sit there and obsess about like which lawyer to call no. or what cremation or whatever. No funeral home to call as long as you have the information and you know the expectations it's really important to know expectations because it can go seriously awry once the loved one dies yes and emotions the monkey brain or the reptilian brain whatever psychological term you want to use for it you go on overdrive and you make bad decisions unless you can be clear and let me tell you, that takes years of repetition mm-hmm. and training of, of right. learning how to, it, it's sort of like, I, I wrote down some notes about, um, you know, it, if you, and I'm not saying everybody's had as fortunate as a life as I have, and therefore I am It's talking, interesting that you say that your life is fortunate. Really? Yeah, I would call near-death experiences as unfortunate. Oh, well, that I would avoid those. No. <laughs> no, I mean, my mother sat me down at a very yes. young age and taught me how to use a checkbook. Yeah. What it would consist of driving a car. Like, I was really super, super no, enthusiastic you, about driving. She's your like, your you mom was always good at giving you practical knowledge. Yes. Yes. yes, to manage money, that you have these goals in life. Yeah. How are you going to achieve them? Because cars don't pop out of flowers and no. there's insurance. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's maintenance. maintenance. Holy crap. I was taught that at a very young age. Because so I'm, I'm learning about the maintenance just now. I mean, literally for, you know, my dad took care of my car, then I got myself a husband and he took care of the car and then I got rid of the husband and it's like, holy fuck, I'm supposed to lift that hood up and look at the oil? Shit. Well, you don't have but to I got do that. It. You can hire a mechanic. I mean, I, no, I do a, about you the know maintenance. What? I, I have a system, I and know. I love it. But, um, yeah, yeah it, it, oil. it is, it is interesting to me that, like... Th- those kind of practical things I I never learned because um, I, I never shown, had to. I was shown um, and I, I was constantly in the garage with my dad. I was a daddy's girl, if yeah. you want to call it. And I was just curious. I just wanted to know how machines work, what yep. it took to do it. Anyway, uh, once I saw what it took to change oil, I was like... Somebody else can do that. Yeah. Yep. Somebody else does. I do check it. <clears throat> yeah, but, yeah. And but, I admire those people who do it. Because sure. I know I'd mess it up. Yeah. Like, I would completely mess it up. No, it seems like a mess. Like, the potential for a enormous mess. Right. But why I bring this up is, is a lot of parents teach these practical things, and they think that they need to be taught to their children. And, yes. But they never teach them, like, hey, when I die, because yes, or- I'm going to die, this is, this is how it's going to go down. And this is what we did with your grandmother. Right. And this is, you know, this is how it was well, structured in our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, none well, of that and even even death protocol for friends, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, death protocol right. for friends. I I I am, was blessed in that um, my uh, my my mom's family had uh, she had an uncle that was uh, five generations 
of uh, morticians. Like they mm. took death very seriously. We had a big family that was old That's and funny. sick, and so growing up, I attended a lot of funerals. Um, my my dad has had the habit um, of part of his service that he does. Um, you know, service to other people is he sits with people um, at at the funeral home. And it's very, it's very kind. It's very, it is. um, And I, I, you know, I watched him do it. I know that he until COVID did it on a regular basis, probably for 30 or 40 years. So I, so he's been practicing death and dying. Yes. I've I've seen it my entire life. Right. I know the protocol. If, um, you know, if you know someone as an acquaintance, um, you should pop in at their viewing. And you should sign the paper and you should give your condolences to the family. If you are dealing with a friend, then you should plan on being at the funeral home for a half an hour to an hour. Um, It helps the family and it helps you. And if this is a close friend or a family member, um, being at the funeral is almost non-negotiable in mine and my family's, uh, you know, viewpoint. That's that's how I was brought up. Um, and lots of people don't have any idea how to navigate this. Like they think, oh, my God, I knew this person a little bit and I don't know what to do. And I definitely can't go to the funeral. And so they do nothing. And what that family member that's grieving really needs. And this is where, um, you know, being surrounded by loved ones. To me, it's not about me at all. Right. It's going to be about Mabel and Sam. You know, I would want people to be there for them to tell a funny story, to, um, right, to give them a hug. Them to yeah. the reality of life. Yes, and of love. And of love. We're more than happy to go to baby showers. No, Holy we're not. Crap. No. When's well, the last I, time you've been to a baby shower, girl? But I never liked going to parties. <laughs> no one. I don't like no one likes parties. those. Nobody likes like, those. Uh, there's a lot of people who like baby showers. I don't know anybody. <laughs> the people, women I pe- hung out people with. like babies. Holy crap! People like babies, but they do not like baby showers. Really? Yeah, I mean, so they all do it and suffer. They do because they get gifts. And is that the only reason? Yes. Yeah. So it's a commercial I mean, transaction. So, yes. So so <laughs> interestingly enough, I've been taught baby shower um, protocol as well. And, <laughs> and we could make a side note about this or maybe even explore a show in your 20s. Go to the baby shower and you attend the entire baby shower because chances are that's a friend of yours in your 30s, 40s and 50s. You go to a baby shower, you drop said baby shower gift off, and you say, I am so busy, I wish I could stay, (laughs) but I've got to run. And then you run, don't walk, run out of that church or fellowship hall or whatever. I think everybody feels that way. And, um, you know, for the most part, most people are more than happy to celebrate a baby coming in. Well, much more than they're likely to go to a funeral. Yeah, we don't really, uh, uh, that's why like they say the celebration of life, but it's really kind of like the celebration of death. It's And um, I think other cultures do address this. I mean, um, I think that the, that's a more apt explanation of what's of going on. The dead, I mean, is yeah, it, it, it's it, a celebration of death. Yeah, and, and other Asian cultures have ancestor, um, they visit. Honor day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, so, or even daily. So, again, with my family and death, another weird death. And we're talking, I guess, about yeah. really 
American culture? American culture, yes. Um, Although we have but, multiple levels yeah. of cultures. Well, we, we have a specific Kentuckian sort right. of tradition. Right, okay, let's just say <laughs> white. And, white, white, and, white. Well, not even white. I mean, this so? is, well, my family's decoration, we've talked about this before. I don't know if you remember, but twice a year in the second Sunday in June and the second Sunday in September, um, my family has what's called Decoration Day. And um, it's actually a weekend. Um, and we uh, have two family cemeteries. And um, what we do on Saturday is our family entire extended family um that you know has has put people in this family cemetery um so sometimes it's a hundred sometimes it's 150 people sometimes you know it's like 70 um i don't really know any of these people but the expectation is is that you go on saturday and you clean the tombstones Uh and you um put fresh flowers out and then on sunday we have a preaching and a pitching and god it is the strangest thing um basically we uh get together and everybody brings some delicious covered dish and then we have you know i don't know how many preachers are in the phillips family but there are many um and that particular day what i do enjoy is that they all end up preaching on the importance of mothers and how much they love their mother and it it even though there are dead dads there too, there are buried brothers. Sure you have to have a dad to have a mother, <laughs> yes. because you can't be bored. Without but without fail, it, rever- it reverts back to wow. their mother, and um, which I just find is is like a really fascinating and precious thing. But but that that's kind of a. a a, a celebration so of death that we that have annually. Kentucky culture, yeah, it's not just white, but it could be it's, Asian. Yeah. It oh could yeah, be it's, de- black, it's it could be definitely. Um, uh, do you think Mexican? I I don't think I don't there know. are any Mexicans in the holler that I'm from. I don't know. They're all Phillipses. You know, right, my right. grandpa and my grandma were See, first and cousins. This is kind of what I resented about my childhood is just the total lack of multicultural. Oh gosh, yeah. It was so yeah, so um, European. Well, we're in Indiana. I know, I know. You know, I that's was that's born the thing. In the wrong state. I know. My my son reminds me of that frequently. <laughs> of we lived in Terre Haute, which was actually a multicultural um, city because of the university. Because of the university, and we moved back to my hometown of Bedford which has fewer than a hundred black people right um and maybe 200 hispanics and then the rest of us are white yeah and that's and, just and sam in the last yes just in the last 20, 20 years. years um and and my son sam often uh says to me why did we come here and right. he moved out. He left when he was 18. <laughs> I bet he did. And, <laughs> and Adios, amigos. I did. He comes down and visits his mom and has dinner with his mom. And if I make him go out to a restaurant, he will go out to a restaurant. But he consistently complains about the vanilla-ness of Bedford. And I'm so proud of him for that. I'm so proud of him for um, accepting and being open to and seeking out other cultures and other ways of life. I think it makes it a richer, because again, they, 
every culture or every state or whatever, you know, I've been to multiple states and they all have a different culture. Yeah. Um, and it, it changes. It's hard to, um, it's really hard to talk about death and dying when you move to a new state and meet new people because that is a it is a conversation killer. It sure is. <laughs> you do not want to talk to me it at all once sure I bring that topic is. up. So, you know, my curiosity, you know, I want to yeah. know this shit, but I know it's inappropriate when you meet a stranger. Yes. To immediately well, talk about the realities of death yes. and dying. Not on the emotional side, but just the practicality, the rituals. So something I'm curious about, Family and maybe upbringing. and maybe you know, having lived in Colorado. So what I noticed about Colorado, um, and I've I've been five or six times, you know, um, Denver, Loveland, right. um, you know, kind of kind of the you know suburbia and and their their big city that they have there. Um, but what I noticed is it is a fastly growing state, you know, rapidly growing. Um, and I have always been interested in cemeteries. Um, I was part of the little Hoosier organization that used to make rubbings of um, cemetery stones in uh, third, fourth and fifth grade at Stocker Elementary School. So I've always been interested in stones um, in cemetery plots and stones. And so when I went to Colorado, I wanted to see some of these old cemeteries. And there are some old cemeteries. Um, and the new cemeteries are all very monochromatic. Like, not really any gravestones. They're all flat into the ground, mm -hmm. or they have these mausoleums. And I was so curious about that because that is so different than growing up here in limestone country right. where you know you have a headstone we have a headstone and fuck we can make that thing anything that you want right. it's a it almost becomes an individual piece of art it does it does yeah, and then and, and, and then you, someplace you like colorado things on your gravestone oh like absolutely i told you i was sick <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those places terrify me. Yeah, it and and I really wondered. And every time I go out there and see one of these cemeteries, I I wonder what is that like? Because again, that's a very sanitized experience of death versus. I don't like either one of them. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't really treasure. Uh, and and I'll probably get nobody's listening anyway. But I'll probably get shipped for this. But I just. I appreciate cemeteries because uh, uh, art history-wise, yes, it leaves a footprint. But what of the a culture. waste of space! <laughs> I mean that—that's I I, I I was watching I, movie after movie after movie. They sh they show you. Sorry, I'm getting lazy. Um, the soldiers. Yes, and it's just white little humps. Yep, or crosses. Or crosses. Yeah. Of thousands of acres, yes, of dead people, yes. And how do you find so your guy? <laughs> do they have a floor plan? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Is it is it section? And they off? do. They do yeah, actually. They do. Of yeah. You, they would. you. Yeah. He's in section A one. Yes. Uh, and yep. you memorize that, and then you memorize, or the you route. get a map. They have actual right, maps. Right. Um, and the whole process of. Do you even get to choose where your gravesite is? Not really. If you're a veteran, 
Um, because I, I'm totally ignorant of that. That's what I mean. Like, I feel like our culture is so completely, um, terrified and I'm not terrified because I'm terrified that they're dead or that they're right. gravestones or that, you know, lingering, you know, yeah, energy. If you want to get really out there, I just think that it only has so much meaning. Yes. And then you become another yeah. stone. Yeah. I mean, and then if you become nobody's... fodder for scientists to dig you up later. Later. Yeah. And put you I... in a glass case and yes. say, this I... is the Iceman. I am a, I'm a big fan of cremation. Um, it too. seems very efficient. No, people hate that one, too. Um, and, and then, you know, recently what's come about is this idea of we can take your ashes and infuse it with some dirt and wow. a seed and we can grow a tree out of you. Yes. I, and, I, yeah. I talked to a friend about that. I'm kind of down with that. I talked to um, Biff. I tried to get him yes. to invest his money into a uh, pet tree graveyard. Yeah. So just so you know... <laughs> Just so you know, pet cremation is almost as expensive as human cremation. I know. I mean, they use the same. I cremated a lot of dogs. Yeah, they they use the same facility. (laughs) Good, good. They don't take up much space, but they use the same facility. I mean, my friend John that has the mortuary, he also does pet cremation. They pick them up every Tuesday. Yes, yes. And and just a pile of dogs in some refrigerator. Are you getting your dog back? Do you think that it's actually your dog, or do you think know. maybe it's somebody else's I have dog no too? Clue. Did I take the DNA sample to prove that it was my beloved little? Does it matter? Friend? I no, mean, it that's really that's matter. that's the that's the thing, and that's that's why I that's I, when I think about like these I'm cemeteries. So I I love the beauty beauty of them, and the idea of like this is a peaceful place, and you can go and visit your loved one. But then on the other hand, I'm like, dang, we really need this space. Um, you know, we're mowing a lot of grass and they're not there. You know, it's an industry. It is. It's become so capitalized that I come to resent it because there is no ritual. Yes. So that's an now, interesting point. I might point. be judging. I might be saying this incorrectly. No, I think that's a very valid point because funeral homes used to be owned by a local person you knew and them. you knew them yeah, yeah. and now it is very much a chain buying out those local funeral yeah. homes and so yeah i mean they're just it, selling you a life insurance policy at this point yeah or they, a death insurance policy whatever it's called i mean it yeah it's completely impersonal and that's you know that's just from overpopulation in mm-hmm. my point yeah, no, in your, in your opinion, you. yeah. Um, because I don't think it's that way in smaller towns. No. Uh, you, or, you do know your morticians in that town. There's only probably a Well, handful. I mean, it's it's happening in Bedford. I mean, one oh, of our, yeah, one of our, um, one of our funeral homes that uh, had been in existence for over a hundred years, Ferguson Lee, was bought out a couple of years ago, and um, it's a, it's, it was bought out by a chain of, I think, eight or ten funeral homes, but they're, you know, they're actively 
trying to grow and, uh, you know, just streamline the death experience. Um, and this would be an interesting <laughs> topic for um, my friend Miranda, who is a mortician. And yeah, I really, she, really yeah, she, she really takes her job very seriously. Like she is very um, death oriented. She is. Um, and, and I mean that in a really positive way. Like she really and truly cares about helping people understand death and accept it and be able to move past it um, and and make the process dignified. And um, this is where this book comes in yeah. because uh, this lady... Laura Lawson. Yes, thank you. Um, discusses that when you get into your 40s or 50s, if you're lucky enough to live that long, that you should... Luck, this was hard work for me. <clears throat> I'm sorry? I said, luck, it's hard work for me. I'm still living. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you should create um, these relationships with a doctor. Yes. With a mortician. Yes. With And, and to um, actively yes. seek these exchanges and relationships so that you get to pick. It's all about control. Yes. So in, the worst the thing end, about a funeral these days is I don't know probably the last three or four funerals that I've been to the person officiating the funeral didn't even know the dead person and through what they're doing is they're trying to provide you comfort and yet <laughs> and, you're and, like, and, and then eating your shit sandwich thank, thank you well and then thankfully what was his still, name again right and Mom? then thankfully they're still <laughs> trying to be honest and true to themselves they, and what they they're saying is like so i talked to the family this week to get an idea of really what kind of man bob was <laughs> and this is what you told me and i'm sitting there having spoken at a couple of funerals um which is not easy but I'm sitting there thinking, those fuckers, they could have asked me, and I would have told them a couple of good Bob stories, saved them $500 on this guy officiating. But we second. we are so far now, removed from death. I think I just misunderstood you. Yes. Officiating. You mean a complete stranger tells stories about your Yeah, stands one. up there at the podium. <laughs> not a family member. No. Not a friend. No. That is how a far stranger. removed we are from really? death. Yes. You need to go to more funerals.